When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Climbers, are you feeling like you're well into your artist's journey, but you've hit a ceiling and your growth is restricted? It may be due to the fact that you're paying more attention to the work and not enough attention to the business. Can you fix this? Find out on this episode. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business, baby, you got to be your own sugar daddy to make it happen. And that's what this is about. You got to be able to prove your art and your business have value and generate revenue and generate attention. And when you do that, everybody you want to work with is going to come to you. That's what we call it, the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxteronym. It's brilliant by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is a hit songwriter, not just a co-host, not just a friend, not just a father, not just a husband, not just a model American. (laughs) He is a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. He's got a slew of top tens in Southern gospel. He's got top tens on Australian radio, top tens on Texas radio, got a couple number ones in Southern gospel, and... More important to you, you don't give a crap about his resume. Mm. What's better to you is he's going to help you be right a better. So I'm doing the Tom Likas pregnant <laughs> pauses here. I don't know if it's working or not. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna, he helps you by teaching you, by revealing how to write like a pro and do uh, to. What do I say now? Write like a pro? Do business do bus- like a pro. Do business like a pro. And then ultimately connect you with yes. the pro. See, my autopilot went on there and I got scared because I was like, I didn't know what was coming after that. I forgot. <laughs> and I, I got, I hit the guardrails and I panicked. And Brent, you helped me. Thank you. <laughs> so he's going to help you write like a pro, do business like a pro. And on the regular, he is connecting you with the pros when you're ready to be connected. He's going to help you create those relationships, which is everything. And everything once you're competitive. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. And I'm going to tell you about Johnny off the sheet of paper that I always have in front of me because my mind is a good place for having ideas, but my mind is a terrible place for keeping them. (laughs) So I write my stuff down, which is handy. (laughs) So if you're an artist looking to increase your I keep it fresh, baby. I believe in this. You do. I don't. I don't trust me. I don't trust me at all. If you're an artist looking to... We could never be married, Brent. Yeah. (laughs) For many reasons, Johnny. For many reasons. Uh, You don't have to get personal on it, Brent. Jeez. I'm a pretty good catch. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. I don't know why you got to diss me like that, man. (laughs) I'm just, you know, it'd be hard to explain to my five kids. You're like, what? They're going to love me. They're going to love me. Sorry, Em. (laughs) That's. 
You are more of a night owl. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs. Just to name a few, you can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. There is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How goes it? What, what? Man, it goes well. I'm excited to hear what you're going to talk about today. We have not prefaced this. We hit the red button. I know. I'm flying blind. I'm just walking right into this ambush, and I'm here for it. I've got like like seven to ten five alarm fires going on as we speak. So I'm like, I don't have any time to mess around. Like, mm-hmm. I love you, but we got to go. It's all business today. Let's go. So hey, but today. We're going to take this a step further with the E-Myth book. My last episode, we talked about understanding how there's a difference. Your business is different than the work that happens in the business. They're two different things. Mm -hmm. And they both need attention and they both need structure and strategy and all that to make them work well. You know, the craft of writing a song, the craft of recording, the craft of touring, the craft of being an artist is completely separate than the craft of running the business that manifests itself in the form of all those things. For sure. And so, I, you know, hopefully you guys listened to that last episode and you understand that they're separate. Now, now I'm going to take it uh, to a whole new level on this business and really talking about the importance of if, you know, if you're working in your business and you don't have the mindset and you don't have the understanding of, and I feel, I, I hate, I hate mindset because I feel like, Mindset sounds like Rob Rob. Yeah, it just. It, but yeah. So a better way is this: like if your approach is all about the product, then that's you are the glass ceiling. That's what we're going to dig into because I'm going to just show you a different way to think mm-hmm. about this. It's going to be enlightening, and I think it's going to. I think it's going to turn on a lot of light bulbs. I think it's going to hit a lot of people over the head with an anvil, going, "Oh my god, okay, yeah, I can step out of the way of this anvil by taking, you know, it's just a step to the left." <laughs> That's all. Awesome. <laughs> so before we do that, though, let's get into some wins, baby. We want you to join the climb community, which is what we're talking about here on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. We're easy to find. You got to ask to be let in. We let everybody in unless you look like a bot or like you're trying to sell something or a hooker. Those are our rules. So, you know, if, if you but look- I repeat myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and if you and if you and this has happened. So I say this, I do say this with my tongue in my cheek, but at the same time, this has actually happened since we started saying this. If you are aware that your account looks like you're trying to sell something, or looks like you're a bot, or looks like you're a hooker, but you're not, message me and tell me. Otherwise, I'm going to decline it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because I mean, we just we're very protective of the community, and that we don't want anybody in the feed selling anything, and it's all about peace, love, and grooviness and supporting one another. And it's not about, here's an audience you can sell some siding to. <laughs> exactly. We're all about the A side, the B side, not the outside of your house. That's right. That's there, we go. right. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Maybe you and me are on fire today, buddy. We're on there fire. There you go. No, no time to think. Uh, no filter. So in the climb community, every Wednesday, we have the new heights post because it's climbing new heights. See what we did there. And we want to hear about your music related wins. You can just post it as a comment there. So we know where it is. We know where to find it. We know where to celebrate. Okay. And you can meet other people that way. Too. God, you're so smart, Brent. I just want to say that. Oh, there we go. So, John, you're going to love this one. 
climber Michael McFarland says, had a single song deal offered for a track Stephen Charles and I wrote and heavily song titled Challenged before writing. Let's keep on climbing, y'all. Nice. Yes. So a single is- song. Are you telling me? Hold on. Are you telling me <laughs> that some writers got together and before they started writing, they had this idea and it was a good idea. Or at least the fire. And then they they song title challenged the fire out of it. Mm-hmm. And because they did that, this man here is testifying that he then got a single song deal for this song. That was song title challenged. Yes. Oh, see, that's we don't just. We're not just saying this stuff to say this stuff. We're doing this stuff to help you. I'm doing it. It's helping me. And Michael and Steven are doing it. And it is helping them, too. So that is awesome. So I'm pumped for you guys. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. All that stuff is true. And mm-hmm. I'm, all, I, I'm all about that. I'm glad that you said that. But now I'm thinking we have to refine our verbal contract a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, we tell people that when we do the song title challenge, on the pullout episodes, the bonus song title challenge episodes Mm -hmm. that we demand an invite to the number one party and you demand childcare and I demand an open bar. Yes. But I think we need to extend that language a little bit to say like, if you have song title challenged a song and which is a direct result of our influence and you get a single song deal on it and that song goes to number one, we demand an invite to that number one party. Okay. (laughs) There we go. I'll take that too. I want that. Yeah. I want that. So who is that that did it? I that is Michael McFarland and Michael Steve Charles, both climbers. Michael and Steven? Yes. You heard me? That is awesome. So come on. Keep us in the loop. Let us know how it goes. Because now we feel, well, not responsible, but we feel we're like we're bought in. We're invested. Yeah. I want to know what happens with this. I feel invested. So any of y'all out there that are strong title challenging your stuff and something good happens, let us know because- we feel like proud papas that don't have to pay child support. There we go. All right, let's uh, or get paid child support. But that's a good one. That's uh, that's all we got for today because we got to move on because we got a we got a hard hard out here in forty minutes. So all right, let's go. Make sure that you join the climb community. Make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform you're using so you don't miss an episode. And by all means, make sure that you tell a friend about it, right? If you've been listening this whole time and giving us this amount of time of your life every single week, I don't even want to begin to add that up every month and every year over the last coming up on eight years in just Mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks. Especially, man, dedicated climbers like Patrick Adams who try to do a yearly re-listen to everything. God bless you, sir. Yeah. Does he really? That's what he told me. I'm like, oh, we're not making it easier year by year. All right. So let's get into this here. We're going to start off with uh, a quick little story here. I know that you've heard of this name, Brent, and reveal who it is. Like, Have you heard of Ray Kroc? No. Yes. Ray Kroc. That would be either, was that McDonald's or KFC? And that'd be McDonald's, right? That's McDonald's. Yeah. So he was, back in 1952, he was a salesman working for a company that made milkshake machines, right? Mm-hmm. Ray had a bunch of good customers and, you know, his customers were like diners, restaurants, etc. But as you can easily imagine, if you've ever been to a diner, you know, all these restaurants typically require one or two milkshake machines. And Ray had previously sold two to four machines. I can't remember how much it was, which was a larger than usual order, but larger than usual, right? Not like mind blowing, right? Mm-hmm. And he sold those, I, I think it was like four machines to a restaurant called McDonald's. So that was a nice order when it happened, but not that big of a deal. It was when McDonald's called to order six more milkshake machines. Hmm. 
that Ray made the fateful decision to drive out to San Bernardino. I think it was from Illinois, if my memory serves me correctly, to put eyes himself on what must be a huge restaurant operation that he wanted to see what was going on out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And what he found was quite the opposite. It was one very small drive through rest. No, wait, it wasn't really a restaurant as much as it was a hamburger stand. Mm -hmm. How on earth could a puny hamburger stand be doing enough business to require 10 milkshake machines? It was the systems. Mm -hmm. The hamburger stand ran like a switch watch, y'all. So hamburgers were produced quickly, efficiently, inexpensively, and identically by high school kids <laughs> working under the supervision of the owners. And what Ray Kroc saw was a money machine. So soon after Kroc convinced the McDonald brothers to let him franchise the business. So that's what he did. But this was a different kind of franchise, you guys. Mostly... When we think of franchising, you're thinking about opening a new store with an outside owner to capitalize on a brand name of a product or service. And in this model, the value of the franchise lies in the value of the brand name that's that it's licensing, right? Mm -hmm. And brands like Coca-Cola, Cadillac, Mercedes, these are three brands that have very successfully implemented franchising as an effective and inexpensive way to reach bigger audiences more inexpensively, right? And so they can grow bigger faster, okay? Mm -hmm. But you understand now McDonald's in 1952 wasn't a brand name. Mm -hmm. It was a hamburger stand, like your business artists, okay? Mm -hmm. And what Ray Kroc saw was a different kind of franchise. It was a business format franchise. So even today, with the, the huge globally recognizable brand name that McDonald's has. And, you know, McDonald's has actually, believe it or not, surpassed the Catholic Church as the largest landowner on the planet Earth. Oh, wow. Not only will a new owner get to capitalize on the Herculean brand name recognition, right, if you become a brand new franchisee, but what they're franchising along with the big brand for McDonald's and what they were franchising in 1952 when there wasn't a big brand for McDonald's. And this is what's important to you, artists. It was an entire system of doing business, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just think about that very fundamentally, very, very matter-of-factly, okay? If McDonald's only sold the brand name, which today will absolutely, positively, bar none, bring in business. You're going to sell a boatload of hamburgers if you open up a McDonald's store, okay? Mm -hmm. If all they sold was the McDonald's brand name and the value of that, the restaurants will fail Yes, because the franchisees would not be able to handle the business, which means the business will fail, which means the McDonald's brand name would ultimately fail. Mm -hmm. Crazy, right? Yeah. The thing that makes McDonald's valuable, like if you're on a road trip and you see the Golden Arches, you kind of know what you're going to get. Anywhere in the country, you'll be like, the ice cream machine's going to be broken. Yep. But this is what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get some tasty salty fries. Ray, Ray Kroc got out of the out, out, out of the freaking shake machine business, and look what happened. Look what he should have gotten into an ice cream repair business. But anyway, <laughs> you but you know there's an expectation there, right? It's right. a promise. Those arches are a promise. Anywhere in the country, I'm driving through an interstate, I see the golden arches. I can pull over with a certain amount of. I know what I'm gonna get. Yeah. Then that's not from the name. That's from the system. If they didn't follow the system, 
they would mean nothing more than there's a restaurant that has food and I have no idea what I'm walking into without the system. Yeah. Now, okay. So let's take that a step further than what you said, because on that note, yes, absolutely. You know, the identical, right? You know that a, a Big Mac tastes the same in Tokyo as it does in your faded map.town in the United States, right? Yes. But beyond that, I think if there's, you know, one thing we all horrifically learned from the pandemic is that we take for granted just the fact that you can be able to get something. Yeah. Except ice cream. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, you're talking about, you know, running a McDonald's business is more than just making the hamburgers identical and doing a, it's like making sure there's hamburgers to make. <laughs> yes. Right? It's making sure that they, that there's fry, that they've, that the ordering systems, that the delivery systems, that everything's happening, that the, that the food is being stored correctly, you know, like all of that, all of those things that we take for granted mm -hmm. that, you know, there are people that have no idea how to run a freaking restaurant that get into the McDonald's franchise, become a McDonald's franchisee, and turn into millionaires. Yeah. So interesting stat here. I think this one is uh, people have heard before, not a surprise, but 80% of all independent new businesses fail. Mm -hmm. 80%. I think in the first seven years, that number goes up to 95%. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, Artists, you're an independent business. That's right. Right? We've established that. Here's the stat, though. Less than 5% of business format franchises fail. Hmm. Less than 5% of business wow. format franchises. Less than 5% of business. So what do you mean by business format franchise or business format? Well, so that's the systems, right? So here's what we're talking about. Can you see from what we've just been talking about, that Brent and I have been talking about, how you know, the stuff that Brent was saying about knowing what you're going to get, right? When you go into a McDonald's, can you see that's a certain level of quality, whether you like mm -hmm. the quality or don't like the quality is beside the point. The point is it's consistent, right? Yeah. It's always there. So can you see how the quality of the hamburger has nothing to do with the success of the franchise? Let that sink in. Mm -hmm. Making the world's best freaking hamburger you're going to get a bunch of attention, right? Yep. Everybody's like, oh my God, a line out the door. Like these are the best. We're coming from miles around to get this hamburger. But without systems in place, the business is doomed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the hardcore fans of the world's best hamburger are also doomed to live without it. Yes. Okay. So when you're an artist, now we're going to bring it into the artist world here. Okay. So, but this is the idea, guys. So when you're the artist, we're going to examine right now whether you're, as you're trying to expand, and remember, you're frustrated. You keep hitting that glass ceiling. There's no momentum. Are you selling the business or are you selling the product? Mm -hmm. Okay, so how many of you artists have attempted or are thinking about attempting to get that, you want to get into that new venue, that all-important, mission-critical next step for your brand, for your business, right? This is the legendary venue that many a national act has launched from the venue that could land you on the short list to provide direct support to national acts. The venue that once conquered will be a cornerstone to the vulgar domination of your market as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. How do you normally go about doing it? Right? Like what Brent, what, what's the, what's the venue booker going to ask for? They're going to ask for numbers, not charts. Or they're going to be charts. It's not going to be your musical charts. 
it's going to be. Oh, well, that's right. Well, I mean, typically, you know, b- back in the old days, they'd ask for a demo tape sometimes, yeah. but more likely today, they're going to ask for an EPK, right? Yeah. And so that's the package they're used to receiving. That's the format in mm-hmm. which they want to receive this information. Now, you know, if we establish that that your product here is your live show with this particular customer, a venue that you're trying to get into, right? Does the message in your EPK focus on the product or does it focus on your business? Mm -hmm. Let that sink in for a second, right? So I want you to be intellectually honest with yourselves right now. You know, are you feeling that if the venue of this, you know, the book or this monumental venue like likes your product, AKA your art, AKA your music, your live show, that are you is your is your position that it will be a no brainer to book you. Mm-hmm. Side note that of course suggests that if they don't book you, they didn't like your music or live show, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course that mindset, yeah. I'll just let that sink in. That, that can hurt your feelings. Yeah. I mean, that, so so this is part. This is part of the setup mm-hmm. that artists do, right? So. You know, this mindset, this focus on the product at this moment is a part of your problem. While the venue's work has manifested an epic platform for an artist like you to launch from, the venue's business is not launching artists. Right. The venue's business is selling liquor and or liquor and tickets. Yep. That's their business. So here you are frustrated, right? Because you've hit a ceiling and you're feeling like your wheels are spinning. No more momentum. You're stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because you're working in your business instead of on your business. You're the problem. (laughs) You are your own glass ceiling. You're the bottleneck. You're being held down by the man and the proverbial man holding you down is you. You're, a, well, you're what I like to call a glass hat. <laughs> what a glass hat. A glass hat. You, are your own, you wear your glass ceiling on top of your head. You are there your you own go. glass ceiling. There you go. Glass hat. I, I like that. Glass hat. That's an original. You can, you can put the, let's put that on a t-shirt. Let's go. Oh, they got around with an ass hat. Or, or a, <laughs> uh, exactly. An ass cold or a glass hat. <laughs> so if you're focusing on your business you'd realize that what the venue's talent booker wants to hear is all your ideas on how you can help him or her mm-hmm. help their boss by selling what? More liquor and tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're in the service business. Yes, it's yes. the entertainment industry, but you're in the service business. If the venue believes that you're going to help them solve their problems, they're not, they don't exist to solve your problems. They don't care. They got their own problems to solve. They got their own families to feed. If you come in the front door and, and make them feel comfortable that you're going to solve their problems or help solve their problems, they're interested. There you go. And, and you know, like the, like, you know, like McDonald's, like, okay, let's just pretend that we're all 1000% McDonald's fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't freaking matter if you can't get the burger. Right. It doesn't matter if it's different every time, right? It doesn't matter if it's not consistent. It doesn't matter if it's closed. No, it doesn't matter that we're a fan if the quality is not there and they're not solving our problems. That's what you mean. There you go. Yeah. So so if your strategy to add this coveted venue to your circuit is about the quality of your product, you're mistaken, right? 
Your product being your music. In this case, in this very specific case, the product is not your music. It's your live show. Mm, yeah. Which is where you play your music, but that's a different product than your recorded product, right? Which is all about the music because you listen. This is a live show. You see, right? Mm -hmm. So at this level... It's generally, and Brent, you know, you've touched on this when it comes to songwriting before, when somebody's like, here's something on the radio, like, oh, I could write something just like that. You know, my songs sound as good as that, as good as, right? Yeah. So at this level, it's generally understood that the, the quality of your product must be competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Once it's competitive enough to gain entry, to be even, to consider being allowed in the door, right? Yeah. There are going to be some products that fare better than others. There's some live shows that are going to draw more people than other live shows, but you're in, right? Like you've reached the bar. Mm -hmm. If your strategy is to add this coveted venue to your circuit, if your strategy is focused on showing the venue how your business can help them sell more liquor and more tickets, now you've entered into the conversation that's going on inside your customer's head. Mm -hmm. Okay. And guess what? How do you define a customer? A customer is defined as the person or business entity that directly pays the creator of the product or service for their effort, right? So, I mean, that's important to understand that, right? Like before, well, to this day, right? But I think it's easier to sort of understand even before streaming. I'll ask artists, Brent, like who was the customer of the record labels, right? We've got to understand the business relationship mm -hmm. if we're going to figure out a strategy that works on how to get there, right? And so who's the customer of the record label? Everybody's like, well, the fans. I'm like, oh, did you ever send your money to, so when you bought a CD, you sent your money to Warner or Sony? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm like, well, who'd you give your money to? Uh, well, the record store. Ah, okay. So you're the customer of the record store. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's the customer of the record label? Who sends checks to the record label so that they can turn around and offer you this million dollar deal that you want? That would be the distributors. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, inside the conversation going on inside the venue's head is you know, how can we consistently sell more liquor and more tickets? And when you come in with a possible solution for that, I promise you they're going to listen. But you see how it's not. I've got a great live show and my music is really awesome and I'm a good singer. Yeah. Okay, great. I've got the world's best hamburger. Awesome. If I come in on Monday, can I get one? Yeah. If I come in on Tuesday, can I get one? Yeah. If I come in on Wednesday, can I get one? Yeah. Okay, let's talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's different. So what you're saying is like the cover of the EPK or the first thing they see, how what would the venue love to see? They'd love to see a quote from like a GM of a venue out of their market right? Maybe. So it's not a competitor going, we had so-and-so in and the show was awesome. And our sales went up 25% that night over average. <laughs> now you have my attention. Now we're talking, right? As opposed to, I've been wanting to sing ever since I was five years old and Gam Gam used to put a, a hairbrush in my hand and make me dance around and sing. And it was so wonderful. <laughs> and I've been working really hard. I'm like, nobody, no, that's not what they care about. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now you're going to have the venue's attention. Let's talk about your dream booking agent, right? Mm -hmm. The one that holds the golden key to a string of important venues. Is that person in the business of developing or breaking new acts? No. Mm -hmm. No. They're in the business of helping their customer, mm -hmm. who's the venue owner, right? Yeah. Sell more liquor and more tickets. Oh, right. look at that. And that manifests itself 
in the form of live show products. Mm -hmm. But the best live show product that doesn't sell enough liquor and tickets is of no use. It is not the best live show product as far as that venue is concerned. Yeah. They define best by liquor and tickets. So there's there's two things that just hit me right now. There's, you know, obviously I've done show prep on this, but there's two things that just hit me right now with this statement. Number one is, is that the reality that nobody wants to swallow is that it doesn't have anything to do. Like it has everything and it absolutely nothing to do with the quality of your live show product, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be competitive, but that's not the business. That's the product. Okay. Right. That's the door opener, not the deal closer. That's right. And the second thing is that when you look at it this way, it actually helps you separate the emotion mm-hmm. from the event. Yeah. From the business. You're like, you now you, okay, I know I got a good live show. I need to focus on the business that's going to be required to create a relationship with this booking agent and add value to their business. How do I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And what's that going to take? Because you remember in the last episode, Brian, I talked about, you know, wanting to be a professional company and acting professional before you're professional, a theme we've touched on many times in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But how do you have to act right now? Right. Yeah. I uh, talk about being the internal pro and versus the external pro. Yeah. The external pro has the stuff on the wall behind them or the sales numbers and all that stuff. They go, oh, you're a pro. That's external evidence I can look at and see that you're a pro external internal pro is a person that operates like a pro and you got to be internal before you're external like you got to operate like a pro to get the external stuff that's right that's right so here's another really good sort of illustration brent you remember the scene from raiders of the lost ark where yeah. indiana jones and his friend are out in the desert and they're looking at belloc like his arch nemesis in the movie mm-hmm. who only had like half the information on that disc right and they figured out that they're digging in the wrong place you remember that scene they're digging in the wrong place indy yeah yeah that's right it's like that's right so if your approach to winning over the booking agent is solely based on the quality of your live show product you're digging in the wrong place, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it matters that you've got the right shovels and a whole crew of people, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And you know how to dig, but like where you're digging. Not where the gold is. Is everything. There the you go, is. right? Yeah. So, and guess what? That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of energy. And that's a lot of time being wasted because you're digging in the wrong place. And when you're digging in the wrong place, I mean, you're talking about possibly shattering your artist dreams. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't find any gold. I really believe there was gold here. Yeah. I really believe that in my heart. I really believe this was the way to go. And it could very possibly be the way that you can go. Like, this is the way for you to make a living Mm -hmm. doing what you were born to do. But if you're unaware or you don't believe, or you don't like it, and therefore you're choosing to dig in the wrong place, you're not going to find a goal. And at some point, the reality of bills is going to hit, and you're going to have to make a change. Mm -hmm. It's like what you need to ask yourself is, okay, what is their problem? What is the venue's problem? Yeah. And how can I solve that? Then the doors will open. All the doors in the world will open to you if you can solve people's problems and then communicate that effectively and let them understand Yeah. And what's their business? Because, you know, having the best live show that could potentially be the number one draw in that market for that venue is not the answer. Mm -hmm. That's required. (laughs) Yeah. That's required. You know, like there's a difference between good parents and bad parents, but we'd like to believe that at least you got to keep the kids alive. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I take care. It's like the old Chris Rock <laughs> joke. You know, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you, you're, you're supposed to have a killer live show. Now that we've established that you have a killer live show, how are you going to help me? Because mm-hmm. you know what? No one in my market knows you have a killer live show, right? As far as I know, they don't know. Yeah. So they're not going to just show up because some rando name is on the bill. There you go. Now we're talking. See, now now you're starting to go down the checklist of how am I, to your point, Brent, how am I going to solve this person's yeah. problem? So can you see where this simple shift in your approach and your understanding of what your product is and that your business is different from it mm-hmm. and the results of some of the people that you want to work with, how they're very attractive to you, right? Like that big venue where, where artists that you love have launched out of that, that important venue. Like, can you see where if you don't shift your approach, right? You're looking at the wrong thing, right? This, mm-hmm. If you change your approach, this can be the difference between zero momentum and massive momentum. I'll look at it like from a songwriter perspective, a little different angle on this. So there's some unknown rising, hopefully rising artists that I've worked with. And I had a buddy hit me up the other day about, Hey man, I, I get us on the books with so-and-so I'm like, who, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, which is fine. There are a lot of people I don't know who they are, but they're awesome. Right. And so I went and looked this person up. He's like, yeah, she just recorded some stuff. She's, you know, she's taking it seriously. And I'm like, she didn't have any numbers. Like the music's fine. Like it's, yeah. it's bad. Yes. But it doesn't like, artistically like oh my gosh i have to work with this person because this would be artistically fulfilling but it met spec like all right cool i was like does she have stuff going on that i can't see online like very small numbers and i'm like i'm out like if something happens let me know but i only have so much time yeah the day i say yes to this that person i'm saying yes to everybody else i could be writing with and it's a thing of going is that person are they gonna help solve my problems as we've clearly said on the show i have a lot of children they like to eat. I personally like to eat every other day or so. Right. So I'm looking for to send my product, my time, my creativity to send songs to pitch. I'm looking at artists that can help solve my problems. And they only want my songs if they think my songs or my co-writing can help solve their problems, which is they want great songs that grow their career or whatever. So, okay. Artist. You got to present that then they might be a great writer or, Hey, this person that you never heard of is awesome. Great. Is it have anything I can hear? No. They got any numbers on any streaming, anything? No. Any label interest? No, but they're awesome. That does me no good. Yeah. That does me no good. So what, what you're saying, Brent is, is if, uh, I can improve my chances as a songwriter of getting in a room with Brent Baxter, if I come with a couple bags of rice, no, <laughs> No. Why are you going to be so racist, Johnny? No, I'm just kidding. kidding. Rice with Pete. We love rice. (laughs) So here's the deal. If you're telling yourself that you need a label to finance your music videos, a social media team, right? To finance your music production team, a PR team, a branding team, tour support, and booking agent. That's not a growth strategy, Mm -hmm. right? That's the problem. It's not a growth strategy. That's a business plan that relies on one thing and one thing only, hope. Mm -hmm. Stop hitting that hopium. Yeah, the hopium. And because that hopium is inextricably anchored to your feelings about your art, Mm -hmm. 
it's not a business strategy so much as it is a protection racket. Yeah. It's a protection racket, y'all. I just called you out. I'm sorry, but it is. If they don't bite, if your business fails, it's because they didn't get your art. And that's not your fault. You're a good artist, right? Yeah. But the reality here is that the difference between successful small businesses, a.k.a. indie artists, and by the way, I think McDonald's refers to themselves as like the big, the world's biggest small business. Uh, yeah. I mean, interesting, right? So the difference between successful small businesses, a.k.a. indie artists, is they understand the importance of their formula for making the best donuts, and they know how to make and market these incredible donuts, right? Mm -hmm. They have systems in place to provide them quick, inexpensive, and effective songs to record, sound recordings, video content, social media content, booking, and more. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about like what turns me on about artists like John Store mm -hmm. with two months of content on the calendar, already pre-booked, all this stuff. Like, is that going to work for him? I don't know, but I can tell you this for absolute certainty that he's asking the right questions mm -hmm. and he is continually changing and manipulating the system that he's using to bring his product to market Yeah, to try to find that groove. And he's, he's focusing on the business and that's why he's getting where he's getting. Yeah. I mean, does the record label you want to be on make the art? No, no. What business is the record label in right now, today? What business is every record label in? Selling records. No, they don't sell records anymore. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. They're in the streaming business. Yeah, they're in the streaming business. They're in the so streaming I mean. business, right? Monetizing money, monetizing music, right? There you go. So if they're in the streaming business, right, we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. What's more important for a company in the streaming business? The quality of the art that's being streamed? Or the amount of streams that the art is getting. I have a good buddy that we were talking a couple months ago, and, he, and I think I mentioned this on the on the podcast. But I won't say his name, but he, you know, was sifting through a couple record deal offers or big interest. One of them, he at that point still hadn't asked to hear his music. Yeah, they were just asking about buy rates and all this numbers and stuff. And they're like, he's like, do you want to hear my music? They're like, no. You got something you believe in? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, he's like. That freaks me out. It, it freaks you out. But, let, you know, there's two sides of that coin, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this just occurred to me. Number one is you're like, this is so freaking weird. They don't give a crap about the music. And that feels, like, disheartening. But at the yeah. same time, they don't give a crap about the music. You can tell them to stay the F out of your way. Yeah. When you've got the traffic, you're like, hey, look, you want more of this or less of this? Yeah. Don't tell me how to make the art. You just focus on the streams, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's your business. This is my business. That can be very empowering to go. I can do whatever I want to do, do the art I want to do. If I can sell enough or what if stream enough, get the numbers where they're impressive, people will leave me alone and just let me do it. Or I won't even need a label in the first place. I can just do it. There you go. And I mean, th this is another reason why like, I think streaming is so important and I think it's better for the art regardless of the way it's manifesting itself right now, which is a tyranny of choice, right? There's just too many, too much crap out there. Mm -hmm. But when you're a record label that gets to be in the position of playing the role of God, right? Because mm -hmm. you have a situation, you know, it's, it, it's, it's 
it's cost prohibitive for an indie artist to make a record, right? It used yeah. to be 150, 250 grand to make a record. So you need a record label to do that. And the only way you're going to, that record's going to find an audience is by being on the radio. And the only way you're going to get on the radio is by having a record deal, right? That's right. So when you put somebody or any small group of people in a position of power like that, it's human nature. It's inevitable that they are going to start to believe that they, and they are responsible for bringing that product to light, but they're going to dig down a little too deep and start thinking like they need to be nosing in on the music, right? Mm -hmm. On the creation part of the music when really they're marketers. Yeah. Okay. But they start to believe, and you know why they get, they can believe that because they can go down that road and sometimes it can become a psychosis because they can tell you, they can stop it, right? I, I'm yeah. gonna. I, I can make sure you're not on the radio unless you do it this way. Yeah. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times. You know, I mean, Michael Wagner's got some great stories from doing records where he's like, you know, the whole band knows like what the first single should be, but too many times we watched like the suits screw it up. Oh yeah. Right. And they make some sort of decision based on numbers or whatever, and they don't really, they're not really attached to the music. So what would they do to try to? to try to plant the seed to make sure that the right song was going to be chosen was they would actually use what I just described, which is the vanity of the A&R executive against him. Right. So they bring him in and, and have him do shout vocals on the record, you know? <laughs> and so it might, Wagner would be like, yeah, before that guy's like, before the door hit that guy in the ass on the way out, <laughs> you know, like it was everything he did was already erased. Yeah. But in his mind, he's on the record. So he's going to choose that song because of his ego. Right. Yeah. And and that's the way they would spin that. But now it's decentralized. Now it's like you're responsible for the traffic. And that's that's really the only way you get to come to the table today. So it's like forcing artists to be better business people. Mm -hmm. They're forcing artists to deal with the reality of the business end and not just the artistic end of this. And what's that going to do? It's going to create better business people. It's going to create more independent artists. And now those artists are in a position to tell the record label to take a long walk off a short pier. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're just a marketing arm here. If you want it, great. If you don't, I'll find somebody else to do it. Like, But this is the way we're going to make the record. Yeah. So it works back around to giving you all the freedom that you want. So that's where that falls. I mean, I think it's it's just ultimately this is good, 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 good. Mm -hmm. for the business and you don't want to rely on hope that's the bottom line so can you clearly see now how much you're missing the mark if your hopes and dreams for the expansion of your artist brand is based solely on the quality of your art you know now calm down it's gonna piss a lot of people off i'm gonna get emails on this you know it doesn't mean that your perfect song and your perfect voice are worthless and it, that they don't matter it's quite the opposite if you have the best song ever written and the best voice we've ever heard, those two things may very well and will likely skyrocket a piece of viral content into the stratosphere, delivering your 15 minutes of fame. But if your systems aren't in place to manage and therefore capitalize on this momentum, you'll be one and done. Mm -hmm. And by the way, another really good reason for a label to focus on something more than the quality of your art. They're looking for artists. Yeah, they're looking for small business people, 
right? Labels want to see how big and how engaged your social media audience is. Labels want to see that your small business generates millions of streams so they can amplify that momentum and turn it into hundreds of millions of streams. Labels are not transforming talented diamonds in the rough into household names. They're buying small businesses. And if you want them to buy your small business, then you'll need to be continually working on your business as well as in your business. Understand the difference. And that's all I got to say about that, y'all. Love it. Cool. So I hope that provides some clarity, guys. You know, part of being able to understand the business is also being able to understand the platform that you're trying to grow your audience on, which is the digital platform, which is vastly different than the broadcast platform that you were raised on, that you were marketed to, that that delivered the magic that made you want to be an artist, right? Yeah. Like it's totally different. And understanding how those two systems work and you know, because again, I think there's too many people trying to do really good broadcast techniques on digital platforms. Guess what? Again, you're digging in the wrong place. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And if you understand why, then you know, our goal here on the podcast is always just to, you know, not to show you how to do it so much because there's a lot of different ways to do it and it's different for everybody. But at the very least, you know, sometimes we show you how to do it, but at the very least, like we want you to be thinking about it the right way. Yeah. You know, if you're asking the right questions, then we have ultimate faith in you that your subconscious brain is going to deliver the right answers, but you know, you need to be asking the right questions first. And part of this uh, free download is going to help you. It's called whoever owns the traffic rules the road. And I mean, just that statement right there is the very reason we went from a music business where artists were slaves and record labels were the slave owners and can do whatever they wanted with ultimate power to artists like Drake and The Weeknd and Taylor Swift actually owning their own masters mm -hmm. and telling the record label what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've gone from a slave, uh, slave owner relationship to JV best buddy business partners and everybody profits. It's much better. And it's all about owning the traffic. Okay. And so this uh, free download, just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J O H N N Y. Tell me where to send it. It's yours. It's absolutely free just for playing the home game here. And this will help you untie that knot, guys. Okay, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 